you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number eight of the Lone Gunman Podcast. It's your boy Rob Clark coming at you. Whew. Man, music gets me going. Sorry. Just does. Tonight, we're going to get into a little bit of a little story that a lot of people don't really know about. And it involves the mysterious bishops of New Orleans. That's right. Hey, but first, let me say that I am blown away at the response that we've got from doing this. And and uh, I, I'm fully aware that it's a process. You know, when I first started doing my blog about a year and a half ago, I soon realized and <laughs> that uh, you know it's not instant success. You know, I think my blog went maybe three weeks before I even had like one or two people looking at it, and excuse me, when you had one or two people looking at it. I was like, yeah, somebody actually read it. Somebody actually read something I did. And then slowly, but surely, kept getting bigger and bigger. More people were reading. And more people and more people and more people. Until finally, in a year, my blog had like 45,000 hits. I mean, it's almost up to 50,000 now in a year and a half. It's crazy. You know, what they say is true. If you build it, they will come. If you write things that people want to read, they will find it. If you talk about things that people want to hear, they'll find it. And I understand it's a slow process. But from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate all the new listeners all the listeners from the very get-go, all the commenters, all the followers, all the likers, keep it up. It's great. And a special thank you to listener Leo for sending me a, a very heartfelt email. And uh, I, I appreciate it very much. And it, uh, it, it makes me realize, you know, that, hey, people are listening. And if there's anything at all, you know, you want to talk to me about, or you want me to address on here, I have a new email address, it is called Podcast at gmail.com, it's Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com, 
So feel free to send me an email, drop me a line, just say hi, whatever. I love corresponding with people. Anything, you know, we already have something in common if you're listening to this. You know, and I'm a friendly guy. And I love talking about anything assassination related, anything at all. So feel free to drop me a line. And make sure you check out Doug Campbell's podcast, The Dallas Action. You can find it on Spreaker. Search The Dallas Action or Doug Campbell. Same on Facebook. You'll find it. And he's doing great things over there. And he just dropped one uh, involving Lee Harvey Oswald and uh, the clap. And I don't mean the applause type of clap, if you know, if you get what I'm saying. He had the old dirty D, but he did it in the line of duty, so that's all that matters. But please check out Doug's podcast. He's killing it. He's been killing it since day one. You, if you like this, you will definitely like what he's doing because he's way better than me. He's much more concise and professional. I'm more of a rambler. I'm more of a of a off the cuff kind of guy. I, I do this with no notes. Doug's Doug's meticulous. He's the, he's like the the uh, I don't know what you call it, but he's always making notes, and uh, it's good because he gets his facts straight. And my facts are shit, so <laughs> everything I say, you better check twice. But no, check the Facebook page, and I'll try to post links, pictures, articles, anything relating to what I just talked about. It'll be on the Facebook page. So feel free to like us there, like us on Spreaker, comment on Spreaker, comment on Facebook. Whatever you want to do, just let us know you're listening, okay? This is a fledgling operation. We're trying to get this up off the ground. We're trying to do big things, and every bit of support that you can do to help us is greatly appreciated. You know, because we've got big plans, people. You know, it's it's why we're doing this, because we felt that there was, like Doug said, a, a void. Okay? Yeah, sure, we got Black Op Radio. It's great. Once a week for an hour. You know, and Lynn does great things, but we want more. You know, and where's the more? You know, I'm not going to go listen to Jim Fetzer. <laughs> That's for sure. So, this is more. This is more content, more talk, more more talk about JFK. That's all we're doing here. And tonight, let's jump right into it, into the bishops of New Orleans. These crazy some bitches with the uh, what were they called? The some the, the old. American Catholic Old Orthodox Church. Something crazy. Anyway, after Ferry died, of course he had all this religious crap in his apartment. You know, these these uh, robes and collars and crosses and chalices and staffs and all this crap, right? So what did Ferry think he was? Did he think he was a priest? Did he... Was it like a costume for him? Did he dress up like one when he, you know, 
was uh, going after his little boyfriends, or or what? What the hell exactly was he doing? Because he doesn't strike me as the type of person that should be wearing a priestly outfit. Um, you know, but whatever. I mean, I know that's what he wanted to be, but you know, a legitimate one. But I don't think this was on the legitimate side, and I'll tell you why. There was, uh, I don't know, I think as many that we know of that actually are relevant to the case, at least like five or six of these bishops in New Orleans that were part of this church that was didn't, didn't really exist. It existed maybe on paper. That was about it. And then I, I did, I listened to... Uh, I will give Fetzer credit for this. He had a guy named Peter Lavenda on his show a couple years ago. And it intrigued the hell out of me because this guy, Peter Lavenda, all right, this was back in the 60s, okay? Him and his buddy, they created a fake church and ordained themselves these fake ministers and got recognized by the government. So they could avoid the draft. And it worked. Okay, I mean, even back in the 60s, they were allowed into the church that Robert Bobby Kennedy's mass was being held in after he was killed. And they show up in a limo, they get out, they're dressed like priests, they're let right in, they weren't searched, they could have had pff, explosives, bombs, guns, anything else. He said they, he could turn around and spit on Jackie Kennedy and her kids. This is how close these people were. This is the kind of access that they had. And what Peter Lavenda said, because he got caught up in all this fake church business and, and, and all these fake Orthodox church churches, that it was used by the intelligence services, like the FBI, or the CIA, or pretty much whoever whoever wanted to pay them, or back them, or use their services. Because when you think about it, back then, and even now, people dressed like priests have access to places that normal people don't. You know, they can go to the morgue, they can go to the hospital, they can go to the jail, they can go to a school, they could go anywhere and get unprecedented access to places in these places that normal people can't go. They can get near people in the hospital, they can, you know, people tell them things that they, because they trust them because they think they're priests. And you know, they were used as sometimes covert assassins or intelligence gatherers or, you know, pretty much any anything that, that, you know, you needed a priest to be able to get close to somebody. Maybe they're, you try to kill somebody and they're in the hospital and, uh, you know, the priest is coming by and, you know, he slips a thing of arsenic under their tongue and 
says a couple Hail Marys on the way out. He's like, you know, I don't think he's going to make it much longer. Give him the last right. Bam, he's dead. Priest leaves. That's it. And nobody questions it. Nobody questions a priest. You know, that's not seen as an ethically or moral thing to do. So these guys had unprecedented access to people, places, things, information. And, uh, you know, they could, they could, they could use it covertly. Because there was no real church. Okay? There was no brick and mortar church. You know, these guys were, on paper, you see what I'm saying? A church, okay? And they were self-ordained ministers, recognized by the government, tax-deductible, and all that good stuff. Now, among these bishops of New Orleans, there's a couple interesting characters. Of course, we all know the story of David Ferry, who I just talked about. Uh, there's a guy, Jack Martin, who worked for Guy Bannister. There is an interesting guy named Thomas Beckham, who tells an interesting tale. And a guy named Fred Lee Christman. And a guy named Earl James Anglin. And a couple others. And... Focusing on Thomas Beckham for a second. He he is one hell of a character, let me tell you. And if you go back, and I don't know if the Warren Commission actually got a hold of this guy. Or not. I don't think they did. But Garrison, Garrison was on to this guy. After much to-do of, of uh, Beckham moving and, and facing and fighting extradition... To testify at the grand jury in front of Garrison, he finally had to go. And he did it. And he told his story 160 pages worth. I think he testified for like six hours straight. And he told one hell of a story, let me tell you. And if you have time and you really want to check it out, Please find his Garrison Grand Jury testimony. Thomas Beckham's. It is crazy. But he also had... He also testified to the HSCA under... Under... A reprise of immunity. Basically, that nothing he said could, could uh, incriminate him in any way. And his story that he told the HSCA was dramatically different from the story that he told Garrison. And supposedly the reason is... the other Another bishop, Fred Lee Chrisman. Now, old, old Fred Chrisman goes back a long way. He goes back to... Back in the 40s, he, he used to write these, uh, I guess you'd call them comic books. But they were more like amazing stories or things like that. It's like serial books. And uh, he'd write them and tell of these underground robots that he'd met. And 
there these big civilizations underground and he said he was he said he was hurt by a laser beam through his body this is weird shit and then he shows up again during the Maury Island incident where him and his buddy Harold Dahl had a, I guess it was a fishing, well, not, it wasn't a fishing boat, it was a logging boat. They had this logging business, but they basically would go around after storms or, you know, when the river would get jammed up and they'd just go pull wood out of the river or the lake or wherever they were at. And they would log this stuff, you know, instead of actually going out and cutting trees down and stuff, they would pull these trees up out of the water and throw them on the boat and log them like that. But they were part of this thing called the Maury Island Incident, where they said that they saw like 10 UFOs and that one of them came really close to the boat and was kind of wobbling like it was jacked up or something and it dropped this slag shit on the boat and broke a guy's arm and killed a dog and supposedly something kind of mysterious happened after they told their story they had two FBI agents come and, and they had this shit in a cereal box and the plane they were taking it back to Washington on mysteriously crashes. And of course we all know the story of Roswell, which happened a couple days after the Maury Island incident. Which a lot of people think might be related. You know, UFO crash and then a couple days before we had a UFO acting kind of wonky, you know, up near Seattle or up, up in Washington. And that these UFOs were on a southerly trajectory. And they'd come down through New Mexico. And then they went on through Mexico and down in South America. Because there's sightings, you know, all along the way there back then. But the big thing was a crash in Roswell. A supposed crash. So, there's that. And then, Crispin gets involved with Thomas Beckham and... There's kind of a weird story where he's like, Thomas Beckham is turning into a country music singer, and he changes his name, and Chrisman is promoting him, and all this other weird kind of stuff, you know, you're just like, whatever. And, but the story that he told later in life, and he did, he did tell it to the HSCA as well. Thomas Beckham tells an interesting story, okay? He stated to the HSCA that, not Carlos Marcello, but I think it was Vincent Marcello, G. Ray Gill, David Ferry, Clay Shaw. Oh, that reminds me. Back to the Maury Island incident. After those two FBI agents died... He was visited by a military man. And he was asked to give up the, uh, the remnants of whatever that crap was. You know, because he didn't give it all to the FBI. You know, there was still some scraps left over or something of the slag. 
and a military guy shows up and his I didn't get it didn't say where he what branch of the military was or his rank it just said a military man named Shaw <laughs> interesting huh I thought so shows up and Chrisman gives him the remnants of this UFO slag and that's the last you hear of that all right now back to New Orleans well you got Thomas Beckham telling this uh, story you know of all these people and they said he said they paid him I think it was a hundred or two hundred bucks to take a package to Dallas now Douglas perk your ears up son because you're about to come across something hopefully you don't even know yet but Thomas Beckham told the investigators at the HSCA that he took a package that he saw them putting together in G. Ray Gill's office that consisted of photographs, maps, and drawings, like schematics of something. And all this stuff was put in an envelope and they stuck it in a magazine and he was sent to Dallas two weeks before the assassination. And Thomas Beckham says he dropped this envelope. He met this guy at a hotel by the name of Mr. Lawrence Howard. You heard me right. Mr. Lawrence Howard. Cohorts of Mr. Loren Hall and Mr. William Seymour of Interpen. Okay. Now, when he delivered this stuff to Howard, Howard got all pissed off. He was like, what the hell is this? Is this it? And Beckham was like, yeah, that's it. You know, and Howard's like, you didn't take anything out of here. And Beckham was like, no, no, I didn't even look in it. I don't even want to know what's in it. Now, and Beckham stated that he overheard, you know, Shaw and Ferry and all these guys talking about the assassination. And he pretty much knew what was going on. You know, but uh, hey, a buck's a buck, right? Sure. So, he comes back. You know, he tells G. Ray Gill and, and Marcello and, and Ferry and Shaw and all these people that Howard is not a happy camper with whatever the hell it was you sent him. You know, he's, he asked me, is that it? You know. And this is two weeks before the assassination. Okay. So, back to Fred Lee Christman. Now, Jim Garrison really thought that uh, Fred Christman was involved in this assassination somehow. And we find out later, because uh, Joan Mellon interviewed Thomas Beckham. And she also did some FOIA, FOIA requests on Jack Jack Martin of New Orleans during this time and apparently there was three of them that she got the files for Fred Christman himself or Thomas Beckham himself through his CIA contacts had received Lee uh, Fred Lee Christman's CIA file and it turns out that yes Fred Lee Christman was a 
CIA agent or asset. More, more, more of an agent than an asset, I should say. And Beckham always claimed that he always said that he worked for somebody, something called the organization. And this whole thing is is like a you know it's a, it's a conglomerate of maybe CIA, FBI. Mafia, who knows, you know, but it's the organization, that's who this guy works for. And Beckham always said that, you know, be, being moved out of New Orleans to to Kansas, to Nebraska, to Idaho, or wherever he was going, was all done and paid for by Fred Crisman. He said Fred Crisman was his handler. He was told what to say to Garrison. He, you know, and he was told to, to you know, keep his mouth shut and, and this, but Chrisman died in I think in seventy five before the before the HSCA investigation started. So at the time of the HSCA, you know, Beckham felt free to speak. You know, as long as he had protection, which they granted him. And I'll post a link to his HSCA testimony and you can read it for yourself. You know, it talks about him taking that package to uh, Lawrence Howard. And it's just interesting that, of course, you know, he has all these connections with, you know, Ferry and, and all these other guys. But he also said he also says that Sergios Araca Smith was involved. Bernardo de Torres, he says, was Lee, ha Lee Harvey Oswald's uh, handler in Dallas. OK, and we run across these names all the time, you know, talking about these anti Castro Cubans. You know, and that's interesting too. But uh, I'm going to post some stuff up on my Facebook page uh, that y'all can check out about Thomas Beckham and Fred Christman and, and their stories. And uh, they really are a trip. They're, they're some of the weirdest, wildest shit out there. And how much of it can you believe? You know, you got to separate the crap from the truth. Once again... That's the trick. And Garrison got Fred Crispin on the stand too. But uh he didn't admit to anything really. But Garrison all always believed there was something up with these bishops. Something, but he could never put his finger on it. You know, about what they were up to. And he was close. And even Beckham admits that he was close. Very close. And the whole thing is just another piece to the puzzle. You know, that we we got to figure out where it fits in the puzzle. Because it's something. They were up to something. Up to no good. You know, an important piece You know, of him implicating Howard and Hall and Seymour and on the plot as well. <sighs> wow. So, yes, there you have it. Weird, wild stuff, as Johnny Carson used to say. But I think we'll call it there for tonight. And once again, I appreciate the hell out of everybody listening to this. Please like it on Spreaker. Like the page on Facebook. Go visit Doug's stuff on Facebook and Spreaker. 
Listen to him. The man does an amazing job. I promise you won't be disappointed. He's awesome. And like I said, stay tuned for bigger and better things. Hopefully we got some things in the in the pipe. Some big things. Exciting things. And like I said, I'll, I'll post some stuff up on the Facebook page that uh, relate to this. You know, a lot, a lot of people poo-poo the whole Fred Christman angle and the UFOs and all that shit because they don't want to associate the assassination with UFOs, you know, because it has that stigma, the conspiracy theorist stigma, and they think it boils over. But you know what? The guy's in the narrative. You got to talk about it. You know, and I don't know what anybody believes. I mean, you know, a lot of people believe in UFOs. I don't know. I've never seen one. I've never seen an alien. I've never seen an abduction. I, I, you know, I don't know what to believe. You know, a lot of credible people have said they've seen them, but, you know, we'll see. Time will tell on that one, but, uh, so yeah, check it all out. I promise I'll post some stuff there, some good stuff to read, some interesting reads. To further the discussion on the bishops of New Orleans. And you can also search out Peter Lavenda. Just Google him up and you'll find uh, links to all his stuff. His is a fascinating story. It's almost unbelievable, but I believe it because the man actually did it. <laughs> and it's crazy. Alright, well that's it for now. Episode 8, the bishops of the bishops of New Orleans is in the can thank you all for listening go support your local used bookstore you can find gems there things you wouldn't believe for two bucks five bucks ten bucks i'm talking first edition hardbacks so please check out your local used bookstore support them read more research more learn more listen more this is your boy rob clark signing off for tonight people peace You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 US only.